Hi, this is Amber, and welcome to today's podcast. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. I am a Reiki master teacher, shamanic practitioner, and a energy healer and a coach. And I work with clients all around the world um, and have been running my own healing practice since 2007. The work is focused at present on core wound healing, life purpose work, sacred union sessions, and one-to-one coaching and healing, as well as mentoring sessions. The website, again, is sacredspacehealing.org. So before we go into the main body of today's podcast, just to say hello to everyone that listens in. Thank you for all your lovely messages of support. Um, Thank you for your support of the podcast channel. And... um, I've recently put a little call out on social media, but I'll put it out here as well. I'm going to be doing a Q&A podcast. So if you have any questions um, that you feel are unanswered on your journey right now, or your healing journey, and you feel that they could be adequately covered in a podcast, then please feel free to reach out. It's amber at sacredspacehealing.org or go to the website sacredspacehealing.org. Um, I can't guarantee that every question will get covered in a podcast because some stuff is just not appropriate to talk about in that format, but um, I'll certainly do my best to cover as many topics as possible. So the Q&A podcast will be coming out at some point, um, but now at the moment I'm just collating any questions that people feel that they might want answers to. And also just to say thank you for all your uh, your support. So some of you, many of you who listen to this podcast have uh, supported the channel by leaving reviews and you've also supported the channel by making donations and I am so grateful to you for that. Um, I provide all of this work, the podcast channel, the YouTube channel, it's all free. Um, it takes a lot of time to record something and upload it and so on and to you know really kind of sit with subjects that I feel could be relevant to really assist people. And I do that because I want to, the intention was always to reach as many people as possible. And if people feel that they can't afford a healing for whatever reason, then they can still dip into the work and get a sense of how I work. Um, but also that they can still dip into the podcasts and actually gain something from it. So all your donations are really gratefully received as an entrepreneur, um, entrepreneur, <laughs> I pronounce that funny, um, as a an individual and as a sole business owner, you know, I'm just running this by myself, I'm not I'm not being funded by any great corporation, I don't have anyone giving me massive donations, um, that's why the work remains authentic and it remains in alignment with my highest self at all time um, and always has the highest intentions for those who wish to engage with it. So if you want to make a donation you can go to the website sacredspacehealing.org, click on the home button, there's a drop down page there with a donate uh, page. And you can donate as much or as little as you feel called to. And all the money goes back into creating free content to assist as many as possible at this time. Okay, so today's podcast, I would like to shine a light on this notion that if we don't look at something, if we don't think about something, then we don't feed it energy. Now, this is, I have a podcast out there on spiritual lies that we may have been told Um, And then I I kind of briefly touch on it um, in a couple of other podcasts as well. You know, this is, I think this is quite a new age thing 
it's really it's interesting, isn't it, in our multimedia um, society that we live in. I remember years ago seeing this quote, and it was a it's a black and white photo, and it's a picture of a man with a wolf, I think, and then there's some proverb that is attributed to a Native American tribe, whether that's true or not, I don't know, saying that there's this story about some elder, you know, giving advice to someone in the community saying, you have two wolves in front of you, and which one do you feed? Something like that. I'm terribly paraphrasing, but the gist of the message is you, whichever one you feed is the one that you are giving more power to. And so you don't feed the wolf, you walk away. And it's meant to be like some kind of Native American saying. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Whether it's been taken out of context, I don't know. But for a really long time when I was on my, the beginning of my kind of spiritual path and my initiations and my achievements and all that kind of stuff, I really believed that. You know, I was like, don't feed the fear. Don't feed the anxiety. Don't feed the bad stuff out there, right? And in lots of ways it worked. You know, I... I well, I stopped watching violence and and really dark stuff years and years ago. And that wasn't because of this proverb. It was just because it really didn't sit well in my body once I attuned to Reiki. You know, all those things started to feel really off for me. But um, I also bought into this idea that, you know, you, it wasn't right to feed um, fears or to to spend too long immersed in things that are um, considered dark in some way or things that could be considered as if they lower your vibration. And luckily, I wasn't really able to live too, too firmly by that because as a healer, my clients came to me and often still do with some pretty intense stuff. And so I couldn't kind of sit in my bubble, my love and light bubble. I, I really had to face this stuff because people were coming to me and they needed help. And I couldn't assist people if I was refusing to look at the stuff that was causing them pain. You know, I think you kind of, you sometimes get various types of healers and there's a type of healer that refuses to sit with you in your pain. They don't even want to talk about it really. They want to take you to the next level of everything is love and light. Let's think about what you want to manifest, you know, look at that pretty cloud over there. And I actually think that that type of healing is quite dangerous and doesn't really work. And that you need to go into the places of pain in order to shine a light on them and better understand yourself. So I couldn't really sit in my love and light bubble because of the things that I was encountering with my clients. And I'm glad that that happened. And what it did was it educated me in something that I've actually always believed you know I've always believed in shining a light on on the good and the bad to try and better understand it I've always been fascinated by understanding why certain things happen the way that they happen and why people behave in certain ways but um it it kind of it it deepened that um that knowing for me that we don't come into wholeness we don't heal ourselves, we don't grow by simply refusing to look at what's unpalatable in the world. 
So why am I saying all this? Okay, I'm saying all this for two reasons, two main reasons. The first is our responsibility as members of the collective. So I've talked about this before in spiritual bypassing and spiritual lies that we've been sold is that there's this idea that we have to remain in these love and light bubbles. All is well, Gaia is clearing, um, you know, love and light, love and light, just keep your vibration high. Um, we have to stay in these states because if we don't, then we're going to get pulled down into some horrible state and then we'll get trapped there and we won't be able to ascend into 5D, 6D or whatever D we want to ascend into. We can't become an earth angel and all this kind of stuff. And I think what that does in terms of the collective is it means that people who really could do a lot of good by shining a light on what is not right in the world choose not to do that so they don't lower their vibe and choose to look in another direction. Now what that means is, it's this old philosophical question, isn't it? Just because if a tree falls in a forest and no one sees it, did the tree really fall in the forest? You know, those kind of old philosophical questions that used to do the rounds when I was at school and at university. So just because we don't view it, we don't witness it, we don't look in its direction, does evil stop happening in the world? Well, of course not. All that happens is that evil in the world goes undetected, it remains invisible, and actually that's what it wants. It wants to remain under the radar, and it wants to remain hidden, and it wants to remain in the shadows, because if it was ever exposed for what it was, then the outcry would be so huge that things would have to change you know, reparation would need to happen. So while a huge proportion of society that have, has bought into the love and light, all is well mantras of spirituality continues to look in directions of what can I manifest, how can I get my twin flame, what crystals can I buy, how high vibe can I get, I'm doing my celery cleanse, you know, while a whole swathe of the population is so focused on I must keep my vibe high because if I don't, then I can't ascend, then I'm not spiritual, then I'm not enlightened. A whole swathe that could be looking in the direction of those who need them is looking in another direction. But that doesn't stop the darker forces, that doesn't stop evil, that doesn't stop the absence of light still existing. And I've said this before in the podcast on spiritual lies, you know, everything isn't love and light in the universe. There is real darkness in the universe. Everything is love and light when we get to a certain level of consciousness. But really to get to that level of consciousness, we have a lot of evolving to do right now, or we'd be dead. You know, we'd be somewhere up on a 10D consciousness. But where we are right now in our evolution, everything is most certainly not love and light in the world. I mean, you'd have to be living in la-la land to believe that. So, um, refusing to look at what is in the shadows means that what is in the shadows gains more and more power. And it gains power through its kind of invisibility, through the fact that it remains in the shadows, because we don't shine our light there. But if we shone our light there, it would no longer be in the shadows, and we could actually see it for what it is. We would realize it's not that scary. We would realize that we can bring healing to it, and our society, our world would change. So what kind of stuff sits in the shadows? Well, it's 
I mean, honestly, it's all the most awful, depraved stuff that you could think of sits in the shadows. Uh, and I've talked about this in, in a couple of other podcasts, but, you know, um, pornography, tra- human trafficking, sex trafficking, ritualistic abuse of children, paedophilia, uh, murder, rape, abuse, deprivation, starvation, um, imprisonment, torture, and much, much worse. What also is sitting in the shadows, because we're not really putting our attention on it, is this kind of dehumanization that we're going through as a race, that we're becoming this kind of sexless race, we're becoming raceless, we're becoming boundaryless. And we're told that this is this wonderful evolution that we're on where we all become one. Now, the idea of all being one is that we are all one in that we're all consciousness having a physical experience. We're just all having different physical experiences. So on a soul level, in many ways, like on a consciousness level, we are one consciousness. But we're not one on a physical level because we're all having different physical experiences because we've chosen to do that on a soul level or it's happening on a soul level that we've chosen to do that physically, right? So some of us are experiencing consciousness in a male body, in a female body, in a black body, in a white body, um, in a disabled body. You know, we're, we're having these experiences of consciousness through different vehicles. That doesn't mean that we're all the same. We're all having very different experiences, but consciousness is one thing. Now, are all levels of consciousness the same? As in, is every single one of us out there on a soul level exactly the same? I don't think that's necessarily so um, uh, on, on certain levels of existence. So a lot of souls are on different journeys. For some souls, this is their last incarnation. For others, it's the first of many, right? Some souls are very advanced. Some souls are very young on their journey. Some souls feel very old. Some don't. I think there is there are truisms to all of that. It doesn't mean that we're not all one in terms of the level of consciousness from which we come, from which we are. But our souls are also having different experiences because of the different journeys that we may have been on as souls. So, yes... On a very high level, we are all one. And the idea of bringing heaven on earth in many ways is about recognizing that our consciousness, you know, that vast level of infinite knowledge is one and that we all come from that, therefore we are all one. But in the physical world, we're not all one. We're different. And the differences are to be celebrated and learnt from rather than something that we try and attack or we try and change in ourselves or in others you know how amazing is it if we've all come from the same cloud or the same bubble of consciousness right that we we come here and we have all these different experiences someone gets to experience being a man someone gets to experience being a woman we get to experience different races how amazing if we could come together and share our experiences because the more we do that the more we grow as a unified collective consciousness we get to say well this is what it's like for me as a woman in this body but this is what it's like for me as a man in this body we don't do that we kind of try and either fight we either fight each other we say well my body is more important than yours or my color is more important than yours right or we try and homogenize everything 
to become one big lump of nothing. And that's not the way forward either. Like our differences are to be celebrated, but not to be something that um, imprisons us. So the danger of this, we are all one thing, is that the danger is that we get dehumanized. And then the next, the final stage in many ways, and this is talking about everything that lies in the shadows, you know, the final stage in this dehumanization is that we cease to be human and that we become merged with AI. And we sort of become half man, half machine. Years and years ago when I was a child, I read, I, I used to have this collection of short stories by Ted Hughes. And it, they were really dark short stories. And one of the darkest in it for me, but the most sort of frightening and yet slightly um, tantalizing story, if you like, was, um, I think... I think the title was The Tin Man, but I could be wrong. But I remember it was the first story in, the, in this collection, and it was about a man who becomes fused with a robot, and he becomes, he's sort of half man, half robot, but he's not even really half man, because the machine aspect of him takes over his whole life, and he lives this very sad, soulless existence. Yes, he's very strong, yes, he can achieve a lot of things, but he can't do all the things that he could have done as a human being. And he misses human connection. He misses humanity. And this idea now that humans can be replaced with AIs, that humans, and um, that, you know, AIs, for example, recently I read something around AIs can t do the jobs that humans don't want to do so they can be cleaners and they can clean toilets because then humans won't be exposed to the virus or human uh, AIs can um, go into battle, they can go into war, um, we can have AI uh, police officers, we can have AI military and of course they, they're kind of you know impenetrable, they're never really going to get destroyed are they? Um, for a while it's been known that AI can be used in the media world with CGI and everything. I was told something a while back that um, in really big films, uh, big actors will sign a declaration to say that if something happens to them during the course of making the film and they can't make the film anymore, they give permission for their image to be used in CGI so they can just be superimposed into the film. Um, I mean, so many amazing, I think, amazingly scary things can happen with technology these days. I saw something today about uh, robotic soldiers and that, you know, there was a, a kind of a film version of this soldier marching and you just see, you see someone, you assume it's a human, in full military gear with masks on, stomping um, across the land. And then they take away all the costume and you see underneath that it's actually a robot. So I think this is where we're, we've probably already gone and we haven't realised it, but th this is... That's the final. That's the final place to get to, isn't it? That we become so dehumanized that we become AI, and we allow that to happen. Now, why am I talking about this? Because this is the stuff that people don't want to look at. Like people don't want to look at the child abuse. They don't want to look at the, the sex trafficking. They don't want to look at what's going on in the por pornography industry. They don't want to look at gruesome murders. They don't want to look at people's mental health issues, because they think it's going to bring their vibe down. And so they take their attention, especially in inverted commas, spiritual people, they take their attention to love and light, love and light, 
I must focus on the positive and they won't look at the shit that is crying out for attention. But if we don't look at it, it just gains more power. And as I've said before in other podcasts, we have a moral duty to look at it so we can assist those that are suffering, so we can release those that are suffering, and so we can shine a light and bring healing into that that is of the dark. It's a little bit like if you went to see a healer and you said, oh, you know, I have I have had these awful experiences in my life and I really need help. There's been abuse and there's been addiction and they were like, oh, that's nice. So um, let's take a rose quartz crystal today and let's focus on your heart and I want you to think about something that you're really grateful about and think about unicorns and angels and that's we're just going to take your energy there and I know I sound like I'm taking the piss but lots of healers do do that now just because you haven't looked at the deeper darker stuff doesn't mean that it goes away it's still there it's still there and it will continue to weigh you down until you look at it and shine a light on it so wouldn't it be for wouldn't it be something far better to actually shine a light on it and in so doing realize it doesn't have any power over you. I actually think a lot of healers that refuse to look at the dark stuff um, probably haven't discovered their power. Like they're running away from something. They're probably running away from their own darkness. So it's important that we look at that stuff as a collective. But it's also important that we look at that stuff individually. Why is it important individually? Because what we don't look at, what remains unexamined in us, what remains unhealed in us, will continue to lower our vibration. And this is the thing that people don't often understand. It's not the fact that you looked at it that lowers your vibration. It's the fact that you looked at it and probably ran away from it and tried to um, uh, tried to bypass it that is lowering your vibration. If you looked at it, immersed yourself in it, embraced it, understood it, you'd then be able to let it go and then you can soar as high as you need. What people tend to do is acknowledge that something dark has happened in their lives but then they don't want to look at it. And certain healers will enable that and say, oh no, 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 don't look at it, don't get caught there. You know, you've got to bypass it, you've got to focus on the light. For me, I will keep returning to something until I've fully understood it. And it's... um. It's been it's quite an interesting thing because when I've worked with healers there, they're like, no, Amber, don't you know, don't keep going back there. That's a really bad habit. You've got to move on. And then it gets labelled all kinds of things, doesn't it? It gets labelled in our society. We label the returning to an event in our mind as PTSD or as trauma or all these kind of terms. But how I see it is that you know, returning to something in our consciousness is is an aspect of us trying to better understand it. Why did that happen? Why did I make that choice? What was going on? What do I need to heal? What do I need to clear? What do I need to align with? What do I need to let go of? And we'll keep doing that until it comes into full resolution. And sometimes the resolution, the completion, is just a better understanding of the situation, compassion for ourselves, forgiveness. Sometimes it's deeper, deeper work, like there's some big clearing to do, curse clearing to do, there's some core wound work to do, there's some soul retrieval work to do, there's power retrieval work to do. And as soon as that work happens, the attention stops going there. The person stops thinking about that event because it's resolved now. So we can't bypass the difficult, hurtful things that have happened to us. We can't love and light them away we can't ignore them 
we have to look at them because until we do our lives won't change yes things will move forward and things will be nice for a time but guaranteed it won't last and we'll get pulled down again and we'll get pulled down again because there's something core that we're not looking at I've talked about this in a lot of other podcasts including you know podcasts on not wanting to be uncomfortable and it's one of the the number one things that I see in clients who resist their healing is this desire to not look at their stuff, to bypass it, to say, oh, I don't want to talk about that, I don't want to look at that. And no, that's been dealt with, I've, de- I've dealt with it. You know, the number of times clients will say, well, I've dealt with it, you know, I had therapy around it, it's gone. And as soon as I hear that, I, my, my gut response is, well, if it's gone, why are you so triggered by looking at it again? Like, why don't you want to go there again if it's gone? And um, I know from my, in my own journey and from my own healing that, yes, there's certain things that I don't keep wanting to be told, but it's, it's not that, I mean, it's never been that I've had a healer say to me, you need to look at this, and I've gone, no, I don't, it's done. It's usually that their way of wanting me to look at something is not working for me, and I want to look at it a different way because that's going to work better for me. Um, and that's, un, you know, that is, un, I find that more understandable. So in clients who are like, yeah, I want to look at this thing, but I don't want to look at it through talking or I don't want to look at it through ritual or whatever. That's fine as long as you're addressing it in some way. So if we don't address it, it will continue to be like this parasite in our system, like a kind of low-lying infection. You know, like if you have parasites or worms in your body, um, anything that's systemic, doesn't matter how many vitamins and minerals that you take your body won't be able to process the vitamins and minerals properly and you'll always find yourself being healthy and then getting sick again you know there'll be like lots of chronic conditions that you can't seem to clear you can't seem to beat it's exactly the same energetically if there is something parasitic toxic in our body in our energy field we can do all the good stuff we can do all the mantras and all the yoga and all the cleanses and all the kind of retreats and all the love and light and all the you know, all, all the kind of attunements and all, we can do all the courses and get all the crystals, but there'll still be something in us that is depleted, that's sort of perpetually depleted. And that's because we're not really clearing, cleansing, removing that parasite that's within us. So I don't feel that just because we don't look at something, it goes away. I don't feel that we love and light our way out of it. I don't feel that we ascend our way out of it. And I don't feel that we're of service to ourselves or to others by not looking at it. In fact, I feel that we have a deep duty to look at it, whatever it is, whether it's in the collective or it's in ourselves. And of course, it's the work that I um, am passionate about and it's the work that I have... uh, champion for so long as a healer and as a teacher so the website is sacredspacehealing.org that's sacredspacehealing.org do check it out for websites and blog posts uh, for further podcasts Um, do check it out for meditations I just said do check it out for websites do check it out for meditations and podcasts and uh, blog posts and also for information about the work for Core Wound process and the life purpose process and um, the other sessions that I offer too and of course if you'd like to take part in the Q&A podcast then feel free to drop me any questions that you feel you would like covered in that podcast so until the next time
so it is, and so it shall be.